today on CityCast Madison. It's Thursday, so we're dishing on the Madison food scene. And despite what you may have heard, strawberry fields don't last forever, at least not in Wisconsin. The season for picking local fresh strawberries is short, but still a very popular tradition because of you-pick operations like Carindale Fruit Farm. For decades, folks in the Madison area have made the short hop to Oregon to pick their own strawberries. Today, we talked to owner Corey Secker to get pro tips on how to get in on the action. The strawberries will be ready for picking next week. It's Thursday, June 8th. I'm Dylan Brogan, and here's what Madison's talking about. Corey, thank you for joining me today to talk about strawberries. <laughs> well, thanks for having me. So tell us, what, what is the difference between a strawberry you pick yourself from a farm like yours and one you might buy in the grocery store? Well, depending on where the grocery store is getting them, um, a pretty big difference. Most of the store-bought strawberries are being brought in from elsewhere, which means there's shipping time. And they don't want to pick them completely ripe because they have to have time to, you know, ship them across the country or across the state to these uh, uh, grocery stores. So basically, they're not going to have the full flavor uh, in general. Now, when you come out to a farm to buy the pre-picked, they're picked that morning. And, uh, of course, when you come out and pick your own, you're picking exactly what you want. And they are red all the way through. They are just amazing. The flavor would blow you away if you've never had a, a farm fresh strawberry. It's day and night. The ones at the grocery store just don't have that juiciness factor. Would you agree with that? I would agree. And if you were to cut them open, you would see that the majority of the interior is white uh, versus pink. There's only a fine line of white that should be in the middle. And that's that major sugar right in the middle there. But if it's white all the way through or most of the way through, it was picked before it was actually come to fruition. So for someone who's serious about getting some strawberries from, from your farm, what are your best pro tips for picking strawberries yourself? That's an interesting question, because uh, I think basically it comes down to having fun. Uh, if you're coming out to pick strawberries on my farm or at any of the local farms, I mean, you come out, uh, you're coming out for the experience. Um, you want to wear the right equipment based on the weather, you know, so... It's always good to have a full brimmed hat just to block the sun because usually in June it's pretty hot. Um, we even will pick in the rain if there's no lightning. I call it the splish splash in the patch mm. and uh, have the kids get all cute wearing all their little galoshes and what have you. But pro tip would just be dress for the weather. Um, in general, the bugs aren't too bad because we're out in an open field and there's usually a slight breeze. But always just come prepared. Make sure you bring water, bring your bug spray, bring some sun lotion and a good hat, and you're good to go. Well, Carindale Farms has been been doing this for a long time. I remember when I was a kid coming out there and picking strawberries, and it, it can get kind of busy, right? Especially because it's a short season, right? It is. It's It, it can sneak up on us. So if people are thinking about it, uh, they should really, they got to jump on it quick, right? So when does this season start officially, and how long does it last? Basically, the season uh, start and finish always fluctuates based on that year and the weather and conditions. Uh, but in general uh, terms, we're talking, 
you know, June 11th to June 15th in that area generally for opening. And we try to get through the 4th of July. So when do you know when you're opening this this season? Not 100% sure. This has been a tough year. As everybody knows, we were in a, a major drought. We're two and a half inches deficit for the month. And, uh, and and the heat wave came on. So what happens with the heat wave, you can do uh, one of two things. It can either expedite the uh, ripening, which happened in my earlier crops. So I have a lot of early crops that are coming to fruition. But then it puts other strawberries, if they haven't gotten to that state of development, into almost a dormancy. Um, so I have a lot of later bearing that are kind of just holding and waiting. Um, we've been doing a lot of um, evaporative cooling in order to maybe thwart that uh, effect on the strawberries, which has been, oh boy, a lot of effort, uh, sleepless nights. But we are we got through it. The crop looks great right now. So I know you don't have the exact date, but you will be uh, letting people on the farm, right? And and sometime in the next, sometime in the, before July, right? Mid June. Oh yeah, sometime uh, next week. We're hoping to open up. All I can really say is always check our website. We have a daily update at CarindaleFarm.com. We also have a Facebook, which I'm doing updates on. If you check both of those, I will give you the latest and greatest information as to when we're going to be opening. If I'm friended on Facebook, I won't try to sell you anything, but I'll keep you updated. That's been a huge deal for people because you said, as you noted, it is a short season and it fluctuates when you open. So friend me on Facebook and I'll keep updates coming your way so you don't miss it. You get all the the strawberry 411. Okay. Um, exactly. <laughs> so how long does it take to pick a flat of, of strawberries? Uh, depending on when you come out, uh, the earlier season, the berries are a little bit bigger, um, which is good. And some people like them smaller because they think they're sweeter. The bigger ones pick faster. Um, but it all depends. Uh, if you hunker down, and you get in there and you just get after it, you can get a, you know, 10 to 15 pounds picked within a half an hour. If you're just out there for an enjoyable time in the, in the sun with the family and letting the kids uh, kind of uh, cruise around and have a little fun, you know, take about an hour or so to, to pick a good flat or two. And it really is a, a family event, too. You have a, it's a lot of fun and there's a lot of families out there with, with kids. So your kids usually do a pretty good job. Well, I mean, they do a good job having fun. And that's really what it's all about. It's my job to grill the strawberries. I hire my staff in, all the local kids, and I just had our orientation. And it's their job to make sure that everybody's having a good time, relaxed, uh, things are running smoothly. So this is an amazing experience out here. I took over the farm about seven years ago from my father who started it 54 years ago. And we have three generations coming out now. And it is, it's just an awesome experience. So season comes around. I spend my time out meeting folks, uh, talking with kids, getting to know everybody. And we have an amazing relationship. Uh, the kids now, we give out what's called a magical court box to kids seven and under. Um, and that is their court box. Uh, they get whatever they pick into it, they don't have to pay for. It's a free court uh, for, the, for the kids seven and under. And it goes uh, for two reasons. Uh, basically... I'm a parent <laughs> and, you know, you, you don't want to get after your kid because he's having a good time and he picks a berry and it's all mashed and he's like all excited and he puts it in your good berry box. <laughs> so the kids get to have ownership and they get to just have a little fun. And as a parent, when my kids are having fun, I'm having a good time and people stay longer. They're more relaxed. 
and it really is the family experience they're looking for. That's great. Yeah. No, and a fun annual tradition for a lot of folks, I imagine, because like you said, uh, your farm has been around in the Madison area for a long time. It's one of the longest running operations in our area for strawberry picking. So when did you decide you wanted to, to take this on and carry on the family tradition? So, so yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, my father started it 54 years ago. He was the first pick your own operation and actually wrote the book on CSAs for the local area, which is interesting. Um, I was in uh, firefighting and forestry and emergency services for about 18 years, Colorado and Wisconsin strong. And when I moved back here to work for the DNR, um, I worked for them for about 10 years. And the last four of that, I was balancing uh, the farm, uh, shadowing my dad, learning the ropes of actually running the operation. And, uh, and then so now I've been running it on my own for about six years. And uh, with my dad just, uh, you know, giving me advice and, uh, you know, pointing and giggling and saying, hey, you missed a spot. <laughs> well, how did that? Yeah. And how was being an emergency responder? Um, was that was that good training for for running a farm? Oh, it's it's um, multitasking for sure. And trusting your training and learning not to freak out when things are hitting the fan, because that never helps. Um, so I think it was really good training uh, just for my demeanor and the ability to kind of roll to punches. Uh, nothing's ever A plus B equals C in farming, just like in the emergency services. You get thrown curveballs and you got to be able to adapt and deal with it quickly uh, without shutting down. Um, you know, people get kind of this analysis paralysis when things hit the fan. And I do believe that my background has has trained me well for this. Although I will add, I thought it would be a little less stressful than emergency services and firefighting. But this is a little different kind of a stress. <laughs> well, you're you're still taking care of a, a living thing for sure, right? Well, a lot of unknowns that are completely out of your control. Um, in firefighting, you hurry up and you wait for the conditions to be right. Uh, there's soft deadlines and other things that we do in life. Uh, there's no soft deadline when it comes to Mother Nature and farming. It's all very hard deadlines. And if you miss it, you got to adapt and adjust and move on with confidence. Y'all, there is a truly special opportunity coming this month. The Harry Whitehorse International Wood Sculpture Festival is running from June 14th through the 22nd. And it's a first of its kind week-long celebration of contemporary and traditional wood sculpture and indigenous culture. It's named after the world-renowned Ho-Chunk sculptor and painter who lived in Monona, the late Harry Whitehorse. And it will be hosted at the iconic San Damiano Park, right on the shores of Lake Monona. The fest is inviting 12 international sculptors from countries like Peru, Germany, Ukraine, and more for a week-long artisan residence. And it will host demonstrations of live sculpture and Ho-Chunk arts and crafts, such as black ash basketry, porcupine quill art, and finger weaving. Plus, they've got live music and food. Plan your visit and learn more at harrywhitehorse.com festival. Kids are our future, right? And we all want to make sure that future is bright. That's why making sure that their bodies, minds, and characters are strong. Luckily, Kids Strong coming to Sun Prairie might just be the answer. 
KidStrong is a national franchise that uses a science-based trading program that focuses on character, physical, and brain development through weekly 45-minute age-based classes. And a pair of Sun Prairie parents are opening a new KidStrong location at Prairie Lake Shopping Center. Instruction is led by world-class certified coaches, and kids are taught everything from the importance of shaking hands to how to do a pull-up correctly. And 77% of parents in the program credit KidStrong with boosting their children's self-confidence. Interested? You can call or text 608-369-8866 or visit their social media at KidStrong Sun Prairie to learn more. The program opens in the next few weeks, and you can save money by registering today. So maybe when your dad's not looking, have you made any changes to the farm since uh, you took over? That's funny. Um, well, you know, he's an engineer by training and I'm a, a forester by training. So obviously we do things a little bit different. It's changed. The demographic of the folks that come out here, it used to be for processing. It wasn't a family function as much as it is now. So how we go about things, the layout um, the demand even has changed. So we have to change and adapt. Yeah. So uh, some of those changes have meant just making it more of an experience that people come back every year and, and, and enjoy strawberry picking with their family. Exactly. It's, it's a family uh, gathering. It's a tradition. It's a Father's Day tradition. Um, it's so much more than just strawberries. We have a beautiful place out here right on the edge of the terminal moraine. Like literally the glaciation stopped at the edge of our property and started receding back this direction. So we have kettles on this side where we're growing. And then on the other side of the ridge, just on the south side of our property, it's unglaciated. Um, it's just a beautiful place to come out to. When you come out, you're pretty much guaranteed to maybe see a turkey or a deer out in the prairie, which we have a prairie right next to the, the property. So we try to integrate nature into agriculture, again, using an integrated pest management concept. This isn't necessarily a conventional farm by any means. It is unique. Yeah, I just I, I recently read that Dane County, you know, it's it's been growing population wise so much, but that it still has like the second most amount of farmland out of any county in the state. Um, most of that is is yellow corn. So do you ever wish sometimes you were growing something else? Why strawberries? Well, strawberries is our tradition, but we do have a lot of other crops. Um and I have been developing as long, uh, uh, with my father at that matter. He started a movement um, with unusual crops uh, or uh, less represented crops of the area. So he did a um, test plot using uh, uh, grants from the university and um, Center of Integrated uh, Agriculture. And uh, he has about hmm, 25 years, I think, of research now of things right down from uh, plums pears of all over the place we have sea berry these are all tertiary but stuff that he's trying to get out there for other growers to get ahead of corporate takeover you know before they take it um and he basically offers all this information out to everybody so what's come of his um research that we have integrated out here is something called aronia berry yeah i don't know if you've heard of it oh i have yeah there's some it's i've had some aronia berry kombucha that was really good Absolutely. It makes a great uh, liqueur, <laughs> uh, but it's really good in smoothies. It has three and a half times, up to three and a half times the antioxidant that of true blueberries, not the ones you buy in a store. Those are white in the middle. The uh, 
uh, all the good stuff comes in the dark colors. That's where the anthocyanins are. So um, the darker the berry, generally the higher in the antioxidants. And it, this is chalked full of it. So we use this. Anything you put it in, it, it's really good for baking. It's amazing in smoothies. Uh, it has a little bit of a tart flavor if eaten fresh, but that is neutralized with protein. Well, have you heard of these Japanese uh, strawberries that uh, supposedly you can get $5 a, a berry for these? Uh, what it sounds like, have you ever thought about moving into that, the, the high-value Japanese strawberry market? No, gosh, no. <laughs> um, no, all we... <laughs> What, what we grow here are June bearing. And uh, I know some people ask me if we want to go organic with our strawberries or if we want to go into hoop houses with our strawberries, grow them on trellises. Um, my answer is no. Uh, when you do stuff like that, you turn a beautiful perennial crop into an annual crop. And in my opinion, uh, if you go organic with strawberries, you end up having to put too much chemical on. And strawberries, being a, a fleshy fruit, absorb everything that they that that touches them to a certain degree. That's why the ones in the stores also are a little wonky too, in my opinion. If they go on to the uh, chemical regime, you know, make them big and beautiful and without any blemish whatsoever, that that's chemical loading. They're they're doing that. Well, that's yeah. confusing because I, you know, you, th you hear the word organic and you think there'd be less chemicals. So how how does that work? They're different chemicals. So we do go back and forth um, based on what's going on or the level infestation and or the insect itself. Um, I will do a conventional spray early on, perhaps, um, if I need to. But the organic itself, it's a one hit wonder. You get two days, three days maybe out of it. And that insect, if it rebounds, it can come back super fast. So it's it's about knowing the chemicals, knowing the insect, and knowing when to use what. Um, now, organic folks, if they're doing it right, it doesn't have to be a big chemical loading. I know a lot of folks who do it right. So I don't want to make any any claim that organic isn't necessarily good, but I think it has to be paired with the right fruit, and it has to be you know paired with the right uh, problem you're trying to solve. So is um, when people go out to uh, to pick their own strawberries, um, should they be washing berries and stuff before kids eat them or not at all nope that's one thing we pride ourselves on here um at karen can say without a doubt there is no chemical that you have to worry about when you come out here if there's anything that is sprayed on there it's not insecticide if anything it would be a fungicide and it's the only fungicide i'll use would be it, during the season would be phosphorol which is one of the active ingredients in coca-cola um, okay. so it's actually no harm, no foul. Uh, we do watering all the time. So most of our berries are big, beautiful and washed off. Well, thank you for explaining all that. And, um, okay. So we do want to get back to the tradition of going out there and picking your berries straight from the, the, the vine. And it's, it's a fun experience for the whole family and the strawberries really do taste so much better than the store-bought ones. So when is the best time? to come out it's gotten busier and busier uh the last few years the demographic where we're where we are located at the very south end of fish Hatch road very close to madison um i used to tell people you know avoid the weekends if you can because they get pretty wild but really i would say anytime you want to come out i would say check our website check the facebook 
but try to come out maybe mid-morning uh, or, you know, do the evening picking. Uh, a lot of people try to get out right away in the morning. We get a pretty big bottleneck uh, right away in the morning. We usually have plenty of rows, uh, plenty of starts, but if we get slammed in the morning, it makes it a little more chaotic. So if we can space people out throughout the day, uh, I would say come out just not right at the break of dawn, but maybe, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And when, what days are you open? So Saturday, Sunday, it's, it's uh, 7 a.m. until 4 p.m. Oh, okay. Weekdays, we do a morning pick from, I think it's 7 o'clock until 1 o'clock. And then again, uh, 5 o'clock till 8 o'clock for an evening pick for those that, that work. And we don't do evening picking on Fridays. All right. Well, Corey, thank you so much for talking to us about your farm. And it's just great to um, to have this operation that's um, family run and has been with your family a long time. It's just, just great to have that as a, an option for people to get fresh strawberries in the Madison area. So thank you. And maybe we'll see you out there picking strawberries. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that, Dylan. And yeah, we, we take a lot of pride and excitement over this being a family farm. It's uh, 54 years strong. And like I said, uh, every year we look forward. This is uh, really exciting to see all the folks come out. And we've built so many amazing relationships. So please come on out, come in an evening pick, uh, and maybe we'll have some strawberry wine looking over the strawberry patch. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. Thank you again, Corey. Thank you, Dylan. That was Corey Secker, owner of Carindale Fruit Farm in Oregon. And here's what else Madison's talking about. Milk. The USDA is considering a ban on elementary and middle schools serving flavored milk, like chocolate or strawberry milk, because of the amount of sugar they contain. That has Wisconsin Congressman Tom Tiffany pretty cheesed. In response this week, Tiffany introduced the Milk Act, which stands for Milk is Indisputably Liked by Kids, and it would require schools to serve flavored milk. Spoiler alert, the USDA is still seeking public comment on its milk in schools proposal, and any changes wouldn't take effect until 2025. And Madison might be a growing metropolis, but there is still farmland in the city proper. In fact, the city owns about 200 acres of farmland that is leased to small-scale farmers. A new report from Madison's Task Force on Farmland Preservation says competition is fierce for this land. Madison also has a housing shortage. According to the Wisconsin State Journal, the task force is recommending prioritizing leasing land to farmers who sell at local markets and incentivizing developers to include urban agriculture in their projects. That's all for today here on CityCast Madison. I'm Dylan Brogan in for Bianca Martin. If you enjoyed the show, why not share this podcast with someone who is better at acronyms than Congressman Tiffany? We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Until then... No pun. All right. That's good, though. Shake it up.